Hello and welcome to Level Up with Shay. I'm a comedian, entrepreneur, and lover of personal growth, here to share stories on my level up journey, bring other fascinating and inspirational artists and creatives to share their story, and to help you realize your potential, take action, and fulfill your biggest dreams. I'm so excited to introduce you to today's guest, Joel Byers. Joel is a comedian, podcaster, and writer based in Atlanta, Georgia. He has a unique, clean comedy style, and he has won both the Kenan Thompson Comedy Contest and Search for the One competition, which seek out the top clean comedians in the country. Joel has been a writer for Comedy Central, The Weather Channel, and even the author of his own book, Finding Your Funny. He is the host of the award-winning podcast, Hot Breath, which features over 400 interviews with comedians like Jeff Foxworthy and Cedric the Entertainer talking all about the craft of comedy. The Hot Breath podcast is on YouTube with over 20,000 subscribers, and there is a Hot Breath Facebook group with over 5,000 members. He has released a self-produced comedy special two years ago called The Trophy Husband, and he also offers other comedy classes and workshops for aspiring comedians. In this episode, we talk about how to set small, incremental goals, recognizing the source of where you're getting your advice from, what inspires him, how he took what he wanted and created it himself, and so much more. Joel says he always tries to remember to start from where he's at right now, and he hopes to inspire others through his actions. So please, welcome to Level Up with Shay, Joel Byers. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Level Up with Shay. I'm so excited for today's guest, and I can tell by his face, he's very excited as well. Joel Byers. My gosh, thanks for having me, Shay. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so excited. I remember I came to one of, just one of your open mics. I don't know why I haven't come to more, but one of them, and I had one joke that killed, I am the lesbian Joel Byers. (laughs) That was, yeah. Well, <laughs> the bar was very low. We were performing in a parking lot in the middle of COVID. So yeah. the bar was very low. So you did great. It was great to meet you there, too. That was the best part about the open mic is getting to connect and keep in touch. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I love that open mic. That's where I got the nickname Thick Ellen. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a very big moment for me. I've been called Ellen as well, so don't worry yeah. about it. Okay, great. <laughs> But yeah, I'm so excited to talk to you. Like I mentioned, I did some research and just kind of looked up what you've been doing the past 11 years or so. And Mm -hmm. wow, you have so many things going on. It's so cool. I just, I want to know more. So I really want to start out like at the beginning, you know, you started comedy about 11 years Mm ago-ish. And what made you get into comedy? What was that kind of catalyst? I started my second semester senior year of college, so I was about to graduate, and I'd always wanted to try comedy, and then as I was about to go into the real world as an adult, I was like, well, maybe I should try this thing I've always thought about, and then as soon as I tried it, that was it for me, you know, it was like taking the blue pill, like as soon as I did stand up, that's that's exactly what I knew I wanted to do for the rest of my life. Now, to actually get there, you know, took a lot longer to make it your actual job. But as soon as I did it, it's always something I had a passion for. And then I actually did it. And this has been my life ever since. Yeah. And what did you study in college? Uh, organizational management with a, a minor in economics, not to brag, but it was a liberal arts degree. So you can take that with a grain of salt that it was the degree is really just a receipt. If you go to a liberal arts school, that's really it. But uh, it was a great experience, and I think it really cultivated the mindset to pursue your dreams and make them your career. So it it was all worth it. Yeah. Okay. And you wanted to go to college. Like, that was the thing. You're like, this is the next step. That was your decision. Yeah, yeah. I mean, now, like, you know, I'm an old head. You know, I'm 34, you know. So it's uh, back when, back in my day, college was still part of like, well, this is the next thing, you know? So now that the dialogue seems to be a little bit different around that, and it it seems to be more of a case by case, but 
there wasn't like another option, really. It seemed like college was just the next thing that you're supposed to do in life. Yeah, that's so true. I, I mean, I'm 31. And, you know, I think my my parents are educators, and they wanted me to go to college. But yeah, at the same time, there were so many other people who I follow, like on social media. I'm like, oh, they didn't go to college because they knew there was another option. You know, we kind of were just like, yeah, this is the one option. But yeah, a lot of things changed, have changed since then. And there's many other options besides college. Yeah, I mean, if I if I didn't do comedy, if it, if I wasn't about to graduate in like two months, I probably would have dropped out. Like, as soon as I did comedy, I knew exactly what my life's purpose was. Mm. Now, I've heard, I think Brian Regan dropped out of college, like, the week of graduation after doing comedy. So, there are those cases as well, but um, I, I, I stuck it out. I finished the drill. But honestly, like, if, if it was earlier in my college career, I, I probably would have dropped out. Yeah. And so what was that getting into comedy? Did you just show up at an open mic? Did somebody tell you about, hey, we have open mics, come and join? How did that start? Yeah, it was all, it was basically just like Google. You know, I mean, I just searched where there are open mics in the area. You know, now there are comedy scenes everywhere and there's Facebook groups for like every comedy scene. So a comic can really just search Atlanta comedy scene, Denver comedy scene, Birmingham comedy scene and find open mics there. And uh, there's resources online. But I think for me, it was just like a Google and there was a local comedy club that was doing an open mic twice a month. So I just like emailed them. And what's funny about doing comedy is you just never know. That's why it's always so important just in life to be nice and all that. But in comedy, you never know who's going to be who. Like, you just never know this person that you were mean to now runs a club or now like books the best shows in the area and they don't forget that you were mean to them for no reason because they made you go up later at that open mic and you deserve more because you're the chosen one of comedy but the actual uh Bridget the person who booked me on that first open mic we ended up doing shows several years later in Chattanooga so it, it came full circle but it all started with an email to then getting on stage in front of seven people you know, three of them were the staff. And uh, it was a lot of polite smiling and just enough to keep the comedy dreams alive. Yeah. I'm just curious, what made you Google it? Like, how did you know, okay, this is a, this is what I want to do? I mean, I, I, I guess I started, I went and watched a few open mics here in the Atlanta area and was kind of getting the feel that way. And then uh, when I went back to school, I got like a stand-up book and like Steve Martin's book and like read those and wrote some material. And then when I felt ready to actually like take the leap to actually be like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to go up there and do this, you know? And then that just seemed, you know, every, everything is now like our life is on Google. So I figured that would be the best place to start and uh, found the club. And then the rest is uh, history, including the club. The club is now closed, maybe because their open mics had seven people at them. But um, it, was, it was all a positive experience. And were you scared to get on stage? I mean, it sounded like you were ready. You're like, I'm going to do this. I'm ready. Yeah. Were you scared to get on stage and tell jokes? Oh, yeah. I mean, it was very nerve wracking. I mean, oh, my gosh. Like, I had my notes and I was like reading over them and I had rehearsed them over and over and over again. And yeah, I mean, I, I was definitely... I was definitely nervous. And I just remember getting off just feeling this like high I had never felt before. Like I was like, I was almost like electrified. I was just buzzing so much from doing stand up. But yeah, the nerves, I mean, oh my gosh, I, I'll still get nervous before a show, you know, especially if it's like I did a show in a theater like two weeks ago. And I haven't really done that many theater shows. And this was like 750 people. And it was in front of an audience I'd never been in front of before. And I was like nervous. And I had to just kind of remember that I'm prepared and I deserve to be here and just remember to take a breath. But what helps me through all of like any nerves or anything is just knowing that I'm prepared. Like knowing that I have a set that I know will do well here and just reminding myself despite these nerves that I am prepared for this opportunity and to make the most of it. But the yeah, the nerves can still be there for sure. 
Yeah, I love that because when I go to open mics, I've learned that, oh, wow, I'm so much more comfortable when I'm prepared, when I actually practice, talk through, like not just write down talking points, but talk through my set. A few months ago, I took Lace Larrabee's uh, stand-up class. Yeah. Oh, Lace is great. Yeah. Yeah. And she was on the podcast a, a few weeks ago. Oh, I heard it. I heard I, I heard it. I, I peeped that. I'm leveling up with Shay over here. I'm here. I love that. <laughs> I love it. But yeah, we like basically transcribed our set, our like five, seven minute set. And we kind of practiced that. When I first started going to open mics, I would see people just have their notes and then just kind of talk about it. And I, I was assuming they were talking about it. Who knows? But then I was like, oh, that's what I can do. But really, for me, I want to be more prepared than just a talking point. Yeah, I mean, I think that's something a lot of newer comics think that they can outsmart the work or they think that they're the chosen one and the rules don't apply to them. But you really you really have to learn the rules before you break them. So a lot of young comics here like Bill Burr say, oh, I write on stage. And they're like, well, I can write on stage because I've been doing comedy two months and he's been doing it over 30 years. We're the same level. But it really comes down to just learning the rules first, learning the fundamentals. How do you write a joke? How do you structure a joke? How do you structure a good five-minute set? How do you perform and learn to review and refine that set and then go retry it again on stage? There's such a meticulous process to developing jokes and comedy is like more popular than ever. And there's so much information about comedy out there that people think they take the work for granted and they want to do everything but the work they want to, they want to have, you know, the cool headshots and they want to have the breast kit and the good reel and all this, but it, it starts one joke at a time, one attempt at a time on stage and you just build it that way. So early on, I mean, I mean, early on, my set lists were a transcription. Like, it literally, I would sit here. I used to write in pencil. I thought it was cool. Um, and then, like, I would just sit before the show and transcribe my set, like, word for word. And now I do more, like, bullet points and things like that. But, I mean, I have now. I mean, I have. I want to do this joke. I want to say it this way, like, in this phrasing. Now, I want to say all that to say everyone's different. Like, sure, you may be a prodigy and you may be able to just go up there and talk or whatever, but every single level you're seeing a comic doing their special that they know exactly where they're going. They know exactly every word for word, what they're going to say in that special. So even if they quote right on stage, they still have a script. They still know what they're going to say and know what joke leads into the next. And I think so many young comics I see, especially now, you know, that I'll still go out and do open mics and still develop material for when I go on the road and stuff. And I do I do see a lot of, like, younger comics just thinking, you know, oh, I'll just keep saying this until it magically gets better. But no, I mean, you write your joke, you perform it, you review the results, and then you refine it, and you keep building it out that way, just piece by piece by piece. And I started as a one-liner comic. Like, early on, Mitch Hedberg, Rodney Dangerfield, like I was all about one-liners and I did a bunch of one-liners and then over time developed them into bigger bits and then now like longer stories and things. But it all started with understanding what is a joke? What is the mechanism of how you set someone up to then create the punchline that's a surprising misdirect? And that's still the foundation of how I write today. So it's creating those habits early on in your career that'll help you develop that much faster but you have to be willing to actually do that extra work. And most people don't want to. They just want to be cool, you know, and get a drink ticket and hang out and bum a cigarette. You know, it's, it's whatever you want to do. But just know if you want to do comedy to, as your job, you need to start treating it as your job as soon as possible. Mm, yeah, I love that. And during that time of that I guess, I don't want to say 11 years, but during that time of really growing as a stand-up, how did you set goals through that process? And, you know, I, I say this because I took a few months break from stand-up. I just, I needed it. Then coming back, I'm like, what am I doing this for? Like, I could write jokes continuously and perform new jokes at open mics. I can do that. But I think 
a goal for me right now is to take my set from Lace's class and continue to practice that at different open mics. So I can kind of edit them just a little bit or add a little bit here and there. And so I'm like, okay, now I have a goal that I'm practicing this set and trying to get comfortable with that on stage. Cause that's what I want to focus on is being comfortable on stage. So I think that's helped me just like get back into it and have a focus. So was there certain goals that you set during that process? How did you do that? Yeah, I, what really helped me, and I'll still do this, is I'll set a goal for the set. So something I've noticed is that if I try too many things, if I'm like, I want to do this new joke and this new joke and this new joke, and then I end up like not doing any of them or I end up flubbing a line and then like losing all confidence and then like crawling through the set. It's like, if I try to do too many new things in a set, then I end up doing none of them. But I, I started to set goals for my sets that I want to try this new tag on this joke. And in this five minute set, as long as I say this one line, everything could bomb. But if I get that one line out, I count that as a success, you know, so I would set incremental goals like that. I remember I would set goals on what do I want to focus on. So for a while, I was like, I just want to do comedy with the mic in the stand. Because I noticed I was doing a lot of just like distracting movement that had no motivation behind it. So I was like, I'm going to perform with the mic in the stand. I want to get better at slowing down on stage. And I remember a veteran comic told me that young comics always forget to breathe when they're on stage. And then they start like that. So I made it my goal to get better at breathing on stage. And there were literal shows like open mics. Now I'm not, I'm not at a comedy club doing this, but like, it was an open mic on a Monday at a bar at 1130. I was like, I'm just going to work on this. And my goal was to work on breathing. So literally before and after each joke, I like took an audible breath. Like I literally said a joke and then like took a breath out loud. I mean, it's all based. It's comic. It's, it's all like, you know, it's open mic. So whatever I'm here to just develop. So I would literally focus on just breathing. I would do a joke and then, audibly breathe, do the next joke, audibly breathe, and really would make that like my goal for several sets to get better at breathing. Like we're also aspirational and we have these big goals and a vision of I want a Netflix special or whatnot, but start where you are. And if right now you need a tight five minute set, we'll then do everything in your power to just get that goal of a tight five minute set together and then build on top of it from there, you know? So it all starts with just small incremental attainable goals to like build the confidence that you can then parlay into bigger opportunities, but it all starts with where you are. Yeah, I love that. Oh, I love that so much. What were a couple of resources that you used to learn? Uh, you, you mentioned you bought a couple books. Mm -hmm. Was it uh, a lot of other standups as well? You mentioned the veteran standup. How did you really get that outside information? Yeah, that's so funny is like, as comedians, we, I mean, we're just, we just go head first into comedy. I mean, we're like, <laughs> we're like obsessed with it. So it's like learning anywhere and everywhere, which is kind of how my podcast started because there wasn't like a dense educational resource for comedians. It was more like, there's a little bit over here. There's all these books that you can guess which ones are worth getting um, there were some YouTube videos, but like when I started, it was Greg Dean's step-by-step -step to stand up. It was like a book basically about how to write one-liners. It was just like the fundamentals. How do you look at a joke under a microscope and just write it in a way that's going to get laughs. And I, some of my favorite jokes have come from doing those exercises. So I started with that book. Um, there's a New York comedian named Ben Rosenfield who I stumbled upon maybe on YouTube who was like showing the evolution of one of his jokes. He was doing like an act out of his mom and he showed the evolution of it. And I was like, interesting. So I emailed him and like asked him questions and he was happy to answer. And it was also, yeah, asking questions at shows to like other comedians. Now, a lot of times comedians will also, they'll be in an open mic and then they'll get advice after their set. And it's from like another open micer who may just be drunk. It's like whether it, your advice, whether you're taking a class or whatever, it's like, look at the source. Because I've had comics reach out to me like, so-and-so said this to me in an open mic. What does that mean? I was like, well, so-and-so has been doing the same jokes for six months and they only go be as like a social outlet. They're not there to develop. So it's 
when you get advice, look at the source. And is this someone you aspire to be? Are they doing, are they putting in the work or are they just bloviating about how you should be doing better to distract from the fact they should be doing better? You know, so I've, I've never been afraid to ask questions, uh, whether I'm out at shows and things like that. And I'm always open to listening as well. So it's just being a sponge to anything and everything. So it started out with some YouTube and some books and um, just asking fellow comics just for advice. And it just kind of grew from there. Yeah, that's very interesting. We need to be selective about the people we listen to at these open mics. <laughs> yeah, I, just right? look at the source. You know, yeah. I mean, it's everyone has an opinion now more than ever, especially right. especially about comedy. So, yeah, look at look at where it's coming from. And that'll help kind of validate whatever that feedback is, you know? Yeah. Definitely. Thank you for sharing those resources. I'm going to check some of them out. Yeah. I mean, the best resource out there is Hot Breath Podcast. Yes. I don't even want to flex. I don't even want to front. But at this point, over 400 interviews with comedians. The YouTube channel has full length interviews, short form clips. You can literally just search comedy writing, how to perform, how to book a show. Like, I'm not even. It's what the people say. But like it started as like, what do I wish existed? And then I built it from there because there, there, there hasn't been a resource for comedians. It's kind of been all over the place. So I really want Hot Breath to be kind of the one-stop shop for comedians to learn the craft, to connect with each other, and for comedy fans to kind of learn how the sausage is made. So, but I'm, I'm very, I, I don't want to brag, but I, I'm, I'm super jazzed with what hot breath has become. And I, I'm just so honored that it's all community based, that it is like for comics by comics. And when I started comedy, it was, it was very negative and competitive and I, I didn't get booked on the cool shows, you know, and I, I wasn't at the cool table and in the in crowd. And I just want to get on stage and get as good as possible. Like that's all I cared about. And hot breath is the community behind it is what I, the struggles I had, I'm hoping this next generation doesn't have. So it's very positive and supportive and inspiring and has writing prompts and you can ask questions and things because comedy is hard enough as it is. But when you, if you feel like you don't want to go to this show because so-and-so may be there or something like that, then it's like comedy's hard enough to even get out and do it. So the, the less, other distractions and negativity you can have on your journey, the better. So that's, that's kind of why hot breath exists to be that positive outlet. And I have, <laughs> it's working. Oh, I love it. I love it. Honestly. Yeah. Well, I want to ask more about that. Yeah. Like you mentioned interviewed over 400 comedians. You started it what three years ago. Uh, I think it was more like five. I think it was like five years ago now. Okay. Cause I like, I started, it started as like a season like there were 11 comics on last comic standing. And I was like, Oh man, this would be a good time capsule for Atlanta comedy to interview all these people on last comic standing. And then, so then after that, I like did that and then um, like took a break. Cause I was like, well, I don't even know what this is anymore, you know? And then I overthought what else it would be. And I was like, no, it just, just keep interviewing comedians. So it, it grew, it grew from that of wanting to showcase Atlanta comedy. And now it's just grown into like this global yeah, comedy community. Yeah. Okay, so your intention at first, you just had a first season with 11 guests. Mm-hmm. You know, how did you continue that? Like, did you set intentions for it to be this huge community-based platform? Or what were the intentions for setting it? Like you said, you started it because you wanted this positive environment in comedy. But I, I mean intentions as in, like, goals, as in, I want to build this to be, you know, this big. I want it to make money or whatever. Yeah, it's the goal was never to be what it is today. I mean, the goal was to literally I've always been such a a fan of Atlanta comedy. I mean, that's why I never moved. Like, you know, I've had friends who have moved to LA and New York and they did the whole sleeping on couches and then worked their way up and now they've been on late night and all of this like so i've had friends that went that route but i always wanted to do it from atlanta i always loved atlanta as a city i loved the comedy scene i just thought there's no better place to develop there's shows every single night there's now more shows than ever and i just got back from a trip to la and i can tell you atlanta comedy is killing it like mm. i i was just at shows like i was at a show at the comedy store just like bruh 
like Atlanta comedians would crush this compared to a lot of these LA comics. So I've always been a fan of Atlanta comedy. So the show literally started as like capture this moment of Atlanta comedy where we're on a lot of us are on a TV show and ended up winning it. Atlanta comedians actually won it two years in a row. And uh, I just wanted to capture this moment for Atlanta comedy. That's literally how it started. And then as I was overthinking what to do next or is season two, like social media comedians or whatever, uh, my friend David Perdue actually just, we were talking after a show and he was like, just, just keep doing interviews. He's like, don't, don't overthink the seasonality or whatever. He's like, just keep, you've been interviewing comedians, just keep doing that. So it, it kind of grew from there, but it's always been what I wish existed every step of the way. The questions I asked, uh, like how I do my interviews, they've always been well-researched. I've always made sure that I wanted these interviews, even in the early days, I wanted these interviews to be like the place to go for this comic. So if you're searching this comic in a podcast app or on YouTube and you see they've done 50 interviews, you click the hot breath one because you know you're going to hear things you won't hear anywhere else. And part of that is me, hours and hours and hours and hours of research and meticulous, like just searching and listening to all their other podcasts and reading the blogs and watching their stand up to develop kind of like the story behind the, the comic and really figure out their process and how they do what they do, which are all the questions I enjoyed hearing on other shows that they didn't go deeper into. Like my favorite moments on show on other comedy podcasts were like, you know, when they do talk about the process, something that would annoy me is when they would just ramble or they would just try to out funny each other. And it didn't feel like a productive use of time. I didn't feel like I was learning while I was listening. It was more of, I was hanging out with them, which is cool, but I'm not, I've never listened to, I don't really any consume any content for the sake of, let me just kill time. It's like, how can I make the most out of whatever I'm consuming? Because you're, your content is part of your diet for sure. Just like what you eat, what you listen to has an effect on you both mentally and physically as well. So yeah. I wanted Hot Breath to be that like supportive outlet, but also that educational resource that didn't exist at the time. So what it is now in the, the community and, you know, the online classes and workshops and the YouTube channel and the, the shows and things it all just really started with what I wish existed. And that became kind of the guiding light for every decision I make around it now. Mm. Yeah. I like that. Reminds me of my podcast in a way, <laughs> this one that you're on right now. What? Uh, yeah. Just doing research and really asking the questions that I want to ask that I'm curious about. Yeah. And you know, podcasting is so much work. It's, so much work that people don't realize they get a podcast. It's like, Oh, you didn't see I was up at 6am re-recording the intro and outro in my closet because I realized that the other intro, the audio was bad or something like you don't see, you know, up all night editing these episodes, hours of researching, booking guests, uploading it, writing show notes, creating a title, like then marketing it. Like people just think a podcast just appears for their convenience, but there's a lot of work that goes behind it. And there's like a crazy stat that it's like over 70% of podcasts have like less than 10 episodes or something mm -hmm. like that. And what, what you've done with this, which is why I was so excited to be on here is it is, it is passion driven and it is purpose driven. So you're, you're doing it for a reason deeper than just, Oh, everyone else has a podcast. I better get one. That's not a recipe for longevity because I can tell you as my podcast with over 400 episodes, I mean, it's still just steadily growing. You know, there there isn't like this, oh, boom, we made it. Like, it's still been this steady grind, and I've still had to have those moments of like, what am I doing? Do I need to try something else? Should I take a break? Like, all, all of that self-doubt creeping in because it is a weekly, every single Monday, 8 a.m., there's another podcast coming out, you know? So it, it is important for if people are listening to this and want to pursue stand-up or create their own podcast or whatever their, their endeavor is, just to make sure that the motivation behind it is authentic because there's going to be a lot of ups and downs that the cool factor of it is going to wear off real quick. Yeah. And what do you do in those moments of self-doubt of like, should I take a break? 
you know, should I do something differently? Like, how do you know if you actually do need to take a break or do something differently? Yeah, well, I've taken I've taken a break. I mean, what's crazy is I was doing um, stand. I mean, the pandemic affected everyone, but like I was about to be on the road more than I've ever been on the road as like a headliner. Like my goal, I want to be a like a touring headliner, and I was literally about to do that in 2020, and then it all disappeared overnight. And then it started to come back a little bit, comedy, and then like a variant hit. And like, I just caught my like mental health collapsing. So I, for the first time in my career, I took, I took a month off. Like I took an entire month off and I started therapy and I started to really just like reassess, like, what am I doing and why am I doing it? And where is this stress coming from? So it's really, it's like listening to yourself, honestly, and being honest and true with yourself to know that if you take a break, you're not a failure you know, it's it's not a reflection. And no one is like all these negative things you're saying to yourself, people aren't saying like it's not <laughs> they're not coming from anywhere but yourself. So it's honestly just that self-awareness is what has helped me in those kind of low moments, you know, when I accidentally deleted my YouTube channel trying to change it. I tried to rebrand it one time into like, I'll make it the podcast channel. But instead, I ended up actually deleting it. And I was just on the floor in the fetal position, just like, oh my gosh, what have I done? And like, you know, allowing myself to feel that and to be in that moment, but to not live in that moment and to really make sure I bounce back. And the the best thing that helps me get out of those moments is like, okay, what what can I control in this moment? I mean, a lot of the times when we are down, it, it, it can be driven by things that are out of our control anyway. So I always have to remind myself of like, well, is this in my control? If not, what is in my control? You know, you can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you react to it. So I always try to eventually get to the positive side of things, maybe allow myself to be in that moment of like sulking, but not really make that last longer than, you know, sometimes when we bomb, we we'll want to make a week out of it and be like, oh, I bombed and I bombed and all four people at that open mic or whatever. You know, it's like it's just making the most of it, looking at the positive side. What can you do differently next time? How can you improve on what you're currently struggling with and just make sure it's all within your control? It took me it probably took me eight years in a comedy to start focusing on what I could control for so long. I was like, why is so and so? you know, booking this show that I've never contacted the booker for, but they should just know me because I'm me, you know, or why are they on the road? Or like, why isn't this club replying to me? Like all these things are out of my control. So as soon as I started focusing on what I could control, I started getting more opportunities and I started to find more success, but it all started with what can I control and really making my decisions based around that. But I don't have it figured out. It's still a day-to-day thing for me. There's still ups and downs and highs and lows, and I still have to remind myself of these things. So me saying them is not like, I'm not trying to like be preachy about it, but it's also like almost like saying it out loud as a reminder to me as well, because it's where nobody is immune to the highs and lows of life. And it's just remembering what you can control and being grateful for that is what is what has helped me. Yeah, I love that. The practice of it. You mentioned self-awareness. I know there are so many emails that I've sent out and be like, well, they didn't email me back for a week or this or that. And it's like, I've learned that I'm going to send it out and that's all I can do. Yeah. If I get a reply back, awesome. If it's a no, that's fine. But yeah, learning how to kind of control your emotions uh, when those things happen and realizing that it's not the end of the world, if you get a no, or you don't get a reply, like when you send an email off, go do something else, like stop thinking about that email or that conversation or whatever, that opportunity, because I really think opportunities are waiting for you. Like you're not waiting for the opportunities. I'm not going to sit here and opportunities are going to come. It's I put in the work 
and the opportunity, like I'm going to need the opportunity, you know? Of course. Yeah. And the, the work will lead you to those opportunities for sure. Mm-hmm. Like you being willing to put in the work, you know, get it. I mean, early on and I would be on stage. I mean, every single night, like the number one piece of advice I got early on and was crazy. Now all these interviews I've done, the number one piece of advice is still get on stage. Yeah. That's still the number one thing. Get on stage. You have to get on stage. You have to. There's there's no way around. You can do all the other stuff, but if you're not on stage, that's really where you learn the language of comedy. And you've got to be willing to do it a lot. I mean, there's a reason people like Mark Norman are still like grinding out in like the New York scene. Like you always hear them saying still going from mic to mic to mic to mic because that's just part of how you develop as a comedian. And you got to be willing to do that, you know, if it is a Tuesday, you know, and you got to be up for work at seven and this open mic is going till 1 a.m. Like, are you willing to do it? You know, when I worked, had a day job, I would work all day and then be out at open mics all night and then just repeat that over and right on my lunch break. Like it was just part of my routine because I knew where I wanted to be. I knew I wanted to make comedy my job. And making this short-term sacrifice will help me long-term and actually achieving that dream. But it all just, uh, a lot of people are, the, the work isn't worth it to them. And that's fine. But for me, I just knew that was, that was really a big part of what was going to help me, even if I wasn't, quote, getting what I deserve or these opportunities that I knew if I kept working, it would lead to something that would work. And it, and it has. Yeah, I, I love it. On your website, you say that you want to inspire others to take action and pursue their own dreams, which I think we've talked about that just a little bit today. And I just want to ask, when did you start to have that vision in a way to inspire others? Because you aren't first day open mic, you aren't on stage like, man, I want to do this to inspire others to take action, right? It's not that. It's like, yeah. You get going, you see success, you are leveling up, right? And then you're like, oh, wow. For me, I'm like, oh, I see other people not taking action. Or for myself, I'm like, why am I not taking action on something, you know? And so then I've realized, oh, taking action, dreams are possible. You know, all of these mm-hmm. positive things that just a lot of people don't really keep in mind. So when did that first start? for you? Well, I mean, I was, my, my parents were also educators and they always, I mean, raised me to like serve first. And I mean, even when my mom was a single mom on a teacher's salary with three kids, we would still uh, like donate our time or we would still donate books. You know, we were still charitable, even if we quote, didn't have money or whatnot. So I think that was just always instilled in me from an early age of like serving first So now when it is coming to my own career, I'm not trying to be like a motivational speaker, but more of like just inspire by action, inspire by doing. Even if you're not wanting to pursue comedy, it's like you have a day job, but you want to start a jewelry business or you have a day job you enjoy and you want to make the most out of it. You know, I think there's so many parallels from just pursuing your passion that can apply to anyone, you know, and that's why when people hear the interviews on my podcast, I want them to learn about comedy, but also just learn about people who took a chance on themselves and it paid off. And to hopefully people hear this and feel like, oh, maybe I could do that. If I'm hearing all these examples of people taking a chance on themselves and it paying off, maybe I could do that. And whatever that is, and I mean, it could be, you want to start your own garden, but you're afraid what your neighbors are going to say. You know, it's like, it could be at any level. It's not specific to comedy, but I do see comedy as just, there's just so many skills you learn pursuing comedy that apply to your life beyond the stage that I think people who don't do comedy can still learn from and hopefully find inspiration for themselves. Yeah, I love it. (sighs) Dropping bars out here. Dropping them. Well, you created, you produced your own comedy special. When was it? Last year? I think two years ago now. I did it to be released on my 10-year comedy anniversary. Okay. Um, And I started comedy February 1st, 2010. So, um, yeah, I guess two years ago now. Yeah. So what was it like producing that? Did you have a team helping you? 
at all because there was just you know you have the filming you have the audio of course the people there and then marketing and putting it up on the internet and all of that so what was that like yeah did you have help yes I mean talk about setting goals I was about to come up on my 10-year comedy anniversary and I was just like well what what do I want to be a successful comedian well what do successful comedians have Because a lot of it is like, we complain about what we don't have without even looking at what we do have. So I had to like reflect on like, okay, well, where do I want to be? Because I'm telling you at every step of the way in this comedy journey, there's things that pop up of like, well, why am I not further along? Or like those thoughts can really creep in at any level. I've interviewed comics 20 years in who still battle with that self-doubt and stuff. So basically I set a goal to record an album I was like, and I'll release it on my 10-year anniversary. I didn't know how I was going to achieve this. You know, it's kind of like I set a goal one year to, like, run a marathon. And I was like, I have no idea how I'm going to do this. I'm just going to set the goal and then see what happens, you know, and kind of just create a North Star to work towards that year. So for this album, I didn't know how or where or with who or what. I just set the goal and then just through talking about it, I I did a fan of Hot Breath. I did his podcast and then I brought up how I wanted to record an album this year. And he was like, well, I do video. We could just record a special. So it went from an album into a special. And fortunately I also knew an audio engineer from another fans podcast I was on. So I actually had an audio engineer help with the audio. And then my friend Isaac do the video and actually have my best friend from high school he's out in the movie industry in LA now. And I actually flew him out to help film it uh, as well, which was pretty cool. Yeah. And then the venue is called the basement theater. It was the first place to ever book me as a headliner. I did a lot of just memorable shows there. So I recorded the special there, but it really was like a, it really was a team effort. It really was. Yeah. uh, And even my wife helping me, you know, her putting, some some touch up on me before the show, you know, maybe a little concealer or something like so it really was a team effort that all started with I want to do this. I don't know how. And then kind of it just like you said, the opportunities are looking for you. Mm-hmm. So it uh, kind of like I want to do this. OK, and then the opportunity started to appear that would help me achieve that by just talking about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think some people are are scared to talk about what they want. It, it's funny because sometimes we we talk about something and we don't do it, mm-hmm. right? But then sometimes we really want something and then we're afraid to talk about it. And so n- nobody is ever like, oh, I can help you with this thing that you never talk about. It's definitely helpful to get it out there and just For sure. keep the intention to, to follow through with it. Of course, yeah. And it, it was self-produced and like the whole motivation was, Again, like showing other comics, you don't have to wait for someone's approval to create your own special or album and just showing other people as well. Like if you want it, create it yourself at whatever means you're at, you know, and now I had Barry Katz on the podcast and he watched a clip from my special. And then (laughs) and then if people don't know who Barry Katz is, he's probably the most legendary comedy manager in the industry. Mm. I mean, he's worked with literally everyone, Dan Cook. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, Dave Chappelle, literally everyone. So he actually watched a clip and then roasted it and then <laughs> boasted it. Like he gave me yeah. like a real reaction to like, here's what I liked. Here's what I didn't like. Here's what could be better. Like he really gave me like a real honest feedback on it, which I really appreciated. And um, yeah, it's not perfect, but I wanted it to be like the raw reality of comedy. I think we watch a lot of comedy specials now and it's super polished and it's in this huge theater and they recorded it eight times to get this one video you're seeing. For me, it's one take. I even at one t- we we didn't have a camera set up on stage. So I walked out the big intro and then realized this camera wasn't set up. So we had to reset everything and be like, all right, guys, act like that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. You know, so and I left that in, you know, I forgot my jokes at one point. I left that in like my dog makes an appearance like I left all these real and raw moments because that's really what comedy is. You know, it is because Steve Martin says comedy isn't pretty and uh, it's raw and it, it's it's authentic. And I wanted this special to really 
create that experience for people that I don't think they get from watching most comedy specials. Yeah, it is very polished with, with, you know, these other comedians. And then you see like a cut and it's like, wait, where does that come from? Or it's like, oh, these people in the front row are different people. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, oh, hmm. okay. I thought this is all one thing, but that's cool. Yeah. 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 That's comedy magic. Yeah. And that's what can be, it's going to be tough. Like we see on social media or whatever. And like, we only see it from what we assume it is, but there's so many behind the scenes things going on with anything we see that we should just take it for what it is. And just, it can be, I mean, it, it, if you're an up and coming comedian and you see a comedy special like that and you're like, well, geez, how would I ever get there? You know, what is, what's, or like even a clip of it with all these cool effects and subtitles. And you're like, well, how am I, what am I, how am I supposed to do this? on like iMovie, like what, you know, what I shot on my iPhone, you know? So it it is starting with where you are and just doing your best with what you have and building it from there. You know, my podcast started on borrowed equipment. You know, I was recording my intros and outros in my closet and it took an hour to record an intro and outro of a podcast. Yep. Yep. You know, so it, those are all the moments that if you, you know, just be grateful for them and grateful for where you are. And then you'll just be grateful for everything you get beyond that. It exceeds expectations beyond that. Yeah. I love that. And I just got chills from hearing that. I, I just love that you keep going back to like starting where you are, because then you will discover more and more. And I've been making comedy sketches for my Instagram and TikTok recently, and I've really enjoyed it. And I've had to write and record and edit. And there are some things that I've learned in the past week that I never would have learned if I didn't start making them however long ago. For like, sure. Yeah, I wouldn't learn that my first week. I'll learn that on the 52nd week. But, <laughs> yeah. Right? But you never will know that if you don't start. Exactly. Which is the hardest part. It's all momentum. Like, starting yep. is literally, like, getting on stage for the first time. You know, you think about it, you watch it, you're like, oh, yeah, I could do that. But are you? Are you doing it? Are you up there yet? You know, it's overcoming that initial hurdle and breaking that fear barrier that's going to help all the other ones be easier to overcome. Totally. Yes. So I have a couple more questions left. Uh, Yeah. Two two left. uh, Ones that I ask every guest. I'm super interested. What is one thing you're doing to level up right now? Gosh, two come to mind. I want to say therapy and meditation. Maybe that's the, maybe that's kind of together. I've been meditating for over two years now, but I I will, I think therapy was a big game changer for me because I think I was just assuming everything was the way it is and that's how it's going to be. And there was just so much negative self-talk and just, I mean, during the pandemic, I went live, I went live over 400 days in a row doing this daily writing competition there were so many funny mental breakdowns, but I had one where like, I literally started crying and I was like, I got to get out of here. And I was like, Hmm, maybe I do need, maybe, maybe professional help would be a good idea. You know? So I think starting therapy just gave me like, um, it's, it's not as woo woo or like whatever you tell yourself about what therapy is and how it's not for you or you don't, even if you don't have problems, it's cool just to have like a professional sounding board that isn't Twitter you know, someone you can bounce off of and really get like professional perspective on what it is you're trying to work through. Because with social media, it feels like we're connected, but more distant than ever. So it's good. And it's been just, wow. Yeah, I I would say right now, probably therapy is the biggest thing that's helped me kind of get more grounded, get more intentional about what I do, get more grateful about what I'm doing. And it's, it's helped improve my relationships as well, you know, of just the lifestyle of a comedian is you're out a lot and Mm -hmm. you're gone a lot. And that's tough, you know, because I do value family. I do value quality time. And I do family is super important as like how I was raised. That was kind of just like the anchor of everything as well. So even if like, if I do have to be gone, it's like when I'm here, I want to be all the way there. I want to be all the way there with my family when I'm there. And, uh, you know, therapy helped with me to recognize that and to recognize 
like maybe what temptations are that distract me from that. And even in like on the career side. So it's really, it's really just helped me become a more well-rounded person, a more self-aware person. Yeah. I can't recommend it enough. I've only had positive experiences with it. I'm, I'm sure other people, maybe they've tried to find someone and they haven't found that right connection yet. I fortunately just kind of tried the, the first person I tried and ended up clicking and that was great. But I think for people who maybe have had a negative experience with it, not give up on it and try to find someone that it, it is a good fit for you because it is personal and it is, there is like a very intimate relationship you're creating with someone very quickly. So it is, you want to make sure it's a comfortable environment for you, but it's definitely worth the search. It, it has been a game changer for me, for sure. Yeah. I started therapy during the pandemic as well. And yeah, it is one of those things that makes you well-rounded. It's not like I'm doing this for comedy. No, it's mm -hmm. like for, for your life and your relationships, like you said, and relationship, you know, for me with myself Yeah. and right. And like mm -hmm. how I react, how I show up, how I treat certain people that I'm like, Oh, I thought they were doing something to me, but it looks like I'm doing something <laughs> to them. Right. That's kind of what yeah. they're right. Like I have these problems. These people make me mad. Well, why do they make you mad? And why do you lash out in the way, you know, right. that's my experience with it. Yeah. Oh it, yeah. It's all true. And it's all these questions you, you either don't think to ask about, or you're afraid to ask, or you're afraid to answer that. It gives you a safe space to explore those, you yeah. know? So yeah, I, 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 what I agree with what you're saying. I, yeah. I can I can relate to that for sure. Okay, so where can we support you? Find you on social media. Where can we go? So the podcast is called Hot Breath, and it's available all podcast platforms and on YouTube. Uh, the YouTube channel is really where I'm pushing it this year. We're almost to twenty thousand subscribers, and I'd like to get to fifty this year. Yeah, another goal. I don't know how we're gonna get there, or you know, but. It's a, it's a, it's a moonshot I set for this year and we'll see um, how we get there. But I'm, I'm, I live stream on there three times a week, you know, posting episodes and uh, interviews and clips as well. So I would say the YouTube channel is the best place to go, but to support me directly, my comedy special that we talked about called the trophy husband is available on my website, joelbyerscomedy.com. And it's by donation you know, but it's a self-produced DIY special. And another thing I was seeing is all these comics playing on YouTube. And I was like, well, what happens if I just sell it and people can donate what they want and do it that way? So I'm always looking for what is the inverse of what people are doing? Like, okay, what's cool right now? What's the wave? And then maybe what's the next wave? So I was testing out selling it on my website and people have been purchasing it and I really appreciate it. And my wife really appreciates <laughs> it. Uh, but that's available at joelbyerscomedy.com, uh, J O E L B Y A R S. And you can check out the special there. And um, all social media is Joel Byers comedy and uh, hot breath pod. Cool. Thank you. And I will put all of those links in the show notes and on the show page. So people can check that out. Yet another piece of work. Yeah. People don't realize right. when they listen to a podcast and they hear, oh, they said they're going to put the links in the show notes, but they didn't. Oh, maybe because they recorded it two months ago and totally forgot and just pasted show notes in. Like right. another piece of work people don't think about in podcasting is the show notes and going and adding each link and remembering which ones you said. And oh, I referenced this book. I better put a link to that. Like. Just a, I just want to give you your flowers, Shay, because yeah, you. what you're doing is helping people, but it's also a lot of work. So I just want people to realize she said link in there. That's more work she's doing for y'all out there to help you level up. So be grateful and share this episode. Yeah. Thank you for that. Thank you. Yeah. And the, these show pages that maybe nobody will see, you know, like on a website with transcription. I, I just started transcribing the podcast uh, oh, this second snap. season. Oh, so, snap. Yeah, so trying to to make it more available to more people. and Good for you. I've been wanting to do that, and I've been wanting to be more active. Like, I would love, love to have a website for the podcast. And, like, there is one, but it's, like, it could be better, you know? But it's also we all want to do so many things. It's kind of like picking one at a time and eating the elephant one bite at a time. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
because we I, I can get shiny object syndrome and I can yeah. be all over the place, but I'm, I've been trying to be more disciplined and intentional about just one thing at a time. We could literally have another podcast episode about that <laughs> because yes, I also have uh, shiny object syndrome. That's mm-hmm. SOS. Shiny object. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've never heard that. I love that. Right now, right now on, on the pod. Okay, so last question. What is a piece of advice you would give to aspiring comedians and artists who may feel lost, if they have no specific direction, they're seeking answers, and they have big dreams? Well, I want to I wanna say something I haven't said yet, because I've talked about, like, focusing on what you can control yeah. and, like, putting in the work and things like that. But I think something that I haven't said is to, like, Follow what excites you. I've tried so many things just because other people were doing them or because something was working for them uh, that, oh, maybe I want to post a bunch of grainy crowd work clips on TikTok to go viral. Oh, well, or maybe that's not how you would want to be discovered. If it did go viral, is that what you want to be known for? And if it is, go for it. But I think just focusing on what's fun to you and choosing your projects and your creative endeavors or professional endeavors with what excites you, what brings you the most joy? Because I mean, I think the pandemic taught us, I mean, life is, it's short and it's delicate and it is fragile and it it can just change literally overnight. I think we all experience that. So now more than ever, it's just focusing on what brings you the most excitement and joy because whatever it is, it's going to be a lot of work. It's going to be more work than you expect. So you want to make sure that it's fueled by fun to be oh, fueled by fun. Whoa. talk! <laughs> we got merch drop coming up fueled by fun, but <laughs> I think it's just making sure whatever you decide to do that. If you like, if you want to do skits, doing skits with people that are fun and that bring you joy and that energize and inspire you and whatever you do creatively, just making sure that it actually builds you up instead of like breaks you down and makes you feel negative or self-doubt because it's not doing as well as such and such version of that you know do what brings you doy doy (laughs) so yeah focus on doing things that bring you joy and that are fun and the opportunities will come from that yeah I love that I recently just talked to someone about that on an episode of like what are you interested in right now Because if you are going to these external people and seeing what they're doing and what's working, then you'll look, you'll, you'll do all that. And then you'll look back and you'll be like, wait, I didn't, I wasn't even doing what I wanted to do. You know, I I was seeking something. I was seeking to go viral or attention and I wasn't actually enjoying what I was doing. Oh yeah. I mean, it, in that, that was top of mind to me because I literally just had this revelation hit me twice in like the same week of like I interviewed um Jeremiah Watkins and um he's a comedian who's doing so many things and I asked him like how do you decide what to do because he just had a kid and I was just like how do you decide what to do and what's worth it he's like I literally now especially since he had a kid he's like I only do things that are fun or with fun people like and that's really how he decides things and uh, that really stuck with me And I was with a comedian friend of mine who is now very big on social media. And he's like, he's selling out shows and things like that. And he was telling me, he does a certain, I'm not going to blow up his spot, but he does a certain style of video. It's kind of a trend right now. It's, it's, it's like whatever you want to be. I've tried it a few times and it just didn't feel fun and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But he was telling me, I was like, oh man, you're killing it. You're doing this and that. He's like, man, I hate doing these videos. He said it's like every time he records them, he's like, oh, let me go ahead and do 10 of these really quick. Like he literally doesn't enjoy it. And from the outside, I'm like, oh, he's killing it. He's going viral. He's selling tickets. But he literally hates what he's like kind of become known for on social media. So that's that's why I said that thing about the grainy crowd work clips and things like that is it's like, we see a lot of comics doing this right now and that's fine and go for it. And I can't even imagine trying to start comedy now to on top of developing and becoming a good comedian. You're now a video editor. You're now like a marketer, like all these different things I didn't have to worry about. 
So I can't even imagine now. It's a whole other game out there. But yeah, doing what makes you inspired and happy and what brings you joy and energy and that's fun because I've I've seen it at every single level and that's that's a common thing for people that are either happy with their careers or not. Someone not further along, quote, may be happier than the someone who is popping off because for whatever reason. So yeah, focus on what's fun and let the opportunities build from that. Yes, I love it. Fuel your fun. <laughs> what was it? Fuel your. What did fun? I say? Fuel your fun. Fuel your fun. fun. Yes. Fueled yes. by fun. That feels like a feels like a like a something a, a spray brush shirt someone would buy in Daytona Beach. That's what it feels like. That's what <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Fueled by fun with nitrates and. I don't know. Whatever these kids what else? are doing. <laughs> yeah, I don't I'm know. I'm in my mid-30s. I, I've hung up the hat. I mean, yeah. give me too many coffees and heaven's the best. Right. A big right. night for me is popping a melatonin and seeing how late I can stay up. That's how yeah. crazy it gets now. <laughs> That's your drug of choice. It is. Popping yeah. mellies is what yeah. I call it. <laughs> mellies. <laughs> mellies. I love it. I love it. Well, this has been so much fun, and I've gotten so much out of it, so I know so many other people will. Thank you so much for doing this, Joel. Of course. Thanks for having me, Shay. I love I love what you're doing, and I love comedians who are, like you said, taking action. You know, like we all think and have ideas, but to see people actually execute on them, uh, I, I love supporting anyone that does that. So, yeah, thank thank you for what you're doing. Yeah, thank you. And thank you to all of you who are listening. This is Level Up with Shay, and we will see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If anything that Joel said today resonated with you, please share this episode on Instagram and tag me at Level Up with Shay and tag Joel. Go follow Joel on social media, subscribe to his YouTube channel, and check out his podcast, Hot Breath, anywhere you listen to podcasts. All of the links you need to find him are in the show notes. Subscribe to Level Up with Shay wherever you get your podcasts. Again, thank you so much for being here. It's time to level up.